Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. America can experience a final awakening. Some of us believe it's already taking place right now. And I pray here on our Daily Devotion family that we will bind together and say we want to see that awakening in a great force in our lifetimes, in our day. Hello, my name is Ken Curley. Thank you for being a part of this. I share this with you from the Texas Gulf Coast area, where for months out of the year, you're not permitted to forget that you are in hurricane season. Spiritually, it's the same what the Bible calls the last days. Nearly every major world religion expects something earth-shattering to take place. Muslims, or certain Muslims, anticipate the Mahdi or the 12th Imam. Buddhists await Maitreya. The Aztec believed the flying serpent would come in this age we now live in. The Mayan calendar, they say, ran out. The Jewish Kabbalist predicted the Messiah coming about the same time. Nearly a thousand years ago, an Irish priest named St. Malachi prophesied of the number of popes to come. He wrote a single sentence about each of the successive popes, and the prophecy bears some uncanny resemblances here and there to the papacy of the past millennium. During the leadership, he says, of the 112th pope, St. Malachi prophesied that the city of seven hills would be destroyed. Number 112, or some say, is the present Pope. Yes, it's a spiritual hurricane season, and God wants us to be prepared. It was the ancient general Sun Tzu who wrote that every battle is won or lost before it's fought, that it's not the skill of the moment, but the preparation of a lifetime. God wants his people to win in the end. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against one political party or another, that our kingdom is heavenly and our battles are spiritual, that we wrestle against unseen forces that want to bind and to blind and defile the people of God. Not only are our battles not physical, our weapons are not either, but they are powerful weapons to capture the hearts and minds of men. God's word says that he desires all of his ministers to be thoroughly furnished or adequately equipped. God supplies over and abundantly. His love, it's more than enough. His grace is sufficient. Why? Because God wants us thoroughly furnished, lacking nothing, facing these last days, this spiritual storm season. But when I look at the statistics of professing Christians in America, it staggers me. I recognize that we are not complete lacking nothing. We are incomplete lacking everything. In the book, The American Church in Crisis, it shows that the American church attendance is plummeting. For those churches that are not plummeting, few are staying ahead of population growth. Post-pandemic, the numbers are worse. More than attendance, though, is our beliefs and our lifestyles. That's a more accurate metric. So-called Christians parrot the world's viewpoint. 
Their lifestyles are no different than the world. American believers have suffered a moral implosion. American churches are in need. Yet like the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3, American churches don't realize that they are in need. They feel okay. Sundays come and Sundays go and choirs sing and people assemble and sermons and prayers and Bible readings and communions and potluck suppers and everything seems to be going on as normal. It's one of the curious facts of temple history in the Old Testament that for 40 years, the Ark of the Covenant was not in the tabernacle, but in a small tent in Jerusalem. But that didn't stop the rituals and routines of worship. It carried on without the glory and without the power. I came across a question asked a while back to religious leaders across America. What is the greatest, most crying need for the American church today? Various ministers gave a variety of responses to that question. What is the greatest, most crying need for the American church today? Tim Keller said, stay true to the Bible. Stephen Chin, maintain a relationship with God. John Piper, know the love of God. Paul Zoll, understand the difference between law and gospel. Reddit Andrews III, rediscover the gospel. Tim Savage, lead God-exalting lives. And John Mahaffey, total commitment to Scripture. And each in its own way is a great response. But in prayer over this, I sense that these are all good, but I can't say that these answer the greatest and most crying need of the American church. The answer for the American church is found in the last of seven churches mentioned in Revelation. To Laodicea, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Did you get it? Jesus is pictured standing on the outside of the church. The last day church is pictured as satisfied doing their own thing, going through their own routines, business as usual, same old, same old, sing the same songs, do the same things, see the same people, sameness and complacency, lethargy, apathy. Laodicea had room for everything, everything but Jesus. They had room for their preferences, room for therefore and no more, room for what they wanted, but no room for Jesus. At his first coming, the innkeeper in Bethlehem had no room for him. At his second coming, the church in America has no room for him. American churches want smiling preachers, not weeping prophets. American churches want stories of success, not stripes, nail prints, and crosses. American churches want only their kind. It's not whosoever will. Yes, Jesus stands on the outside knocking of the last day's church. Some people say that all that's happening in the world today represents the thundering hoofbeats of apocalyptic horses. But could it simply be Jesus knocking, asking a church, would you let me in? And that is the greatest and most crying need of the American church. 
we need to get ourselves out of the way. We need Jesus in the house. We need Jesus large and in charge. Jesus is in the house when we turn from going through the motions, when going to church becomes less a social occasion and more of a divine encounter, when pressing through the crowd of spectators to become a willing participant of the supernatural, Jesus is in the house. When dropping the mask and facades, we cry out as Bartimaeus of old, have mercy upon me, Jesus is in the house. When who we are and what we possess becomes less important than what he is and all he can do, that's when Jesus is in the house. You know that Jesus is in the house when performance gives way to praise, when precision gives way to incisions, and the great physician is permitted to do his work. When time is forgotten, schedules are set aside, and the daily incessant demands are lost in the aura of his glory. When Moses slips off his shoes for a fiery encounter, when Joshua beholds the captain of the angel armies, when Samson prays, one more time, God, one more time, when Naaman is willing to dip the seventh time and leprosy is washed from his body, when the present experience with God means far more than the past failures without him, that's when Jesus is in the house. What does this look like in our present world? Well, each house in Goshen at Passover had the lamb within and the blood without. Maybe we need Jesus in our homes as never before. Maybe we need to open up our hearts to the Lord as never before. If Jesus got in the house, as he did in the temple of old, a spirit of expulsion would come. He would drive away what shouldn't be there. A spirit of expulsion that says to the enemy, you're not welcome here. But there's also a spirit of attraction. Do you remember what happened when Jesus emptied the house? Matthew 21 and 14, the Bible says, Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Expulsion led to attraction, which led to divine action, and the miraculous was born. When he is made welcome, when he is honored, when he is exalted, when he is edified, when his presence means more than life itself, when his words are cherished and obeyed, when his wishes become our commands, then recognize there's power in the house. Because when Jesus is in the house, the impossible becomes possible. Why don't you and I covenant that we're going to welcome Jesus into the house? Over the years in America, Jesus is no longer welcome in his own house. American Christians have largely programmed God out of the picture. God does bless and God does answer prayer. But when church service becomes more about us and less about him, then he's not welcome in his own house. Do you remember the question that was asked of Judah years ago in 2 Samuel 19? King David, one of Judah's sons, was on the wrong side of the Jordan River. To get him on the right side required the people to welcome him there. And so the question was asked to the tribe of Judah, 
Why aren't you talking about bringing back the king? We need to say, we want the king back. Bring back the king. How do we do that, pastor? Three things welcome his presence like nothing else. A sincere cry for mercy. When Bartimaeus cried out for mercy, he was playing heaven's theme song. God responds to a sincere cry for mercy. He will in no wise cast such a one out. Here's the second thing. A heartfelt prayer of repentance. Sackcloth and ashes, in a spiritual sense, still gets God's attention. Time and again, when people cried out in repentance, God responded. And here's the third thing that is sure to attract the attention of God. Sincere praise and worship, not just of the program variety, but of the heartfelt variety, making melody in your heart before the Lord. America, Isaiah said this prayer, the ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib, but my people do not know their Lord. My people don't understand. America, it's time to wage war on the floor. It's the season for praying saints, that hearts, homes, and sanctuaries will be aglow with the anointing and presence of God for its time and past time to seek the Lord. You see, when Jesus is in the house, not just four walls, but within our hearts and minds, for we are the temple of God. When he's in the house, we call him alive into our daily life. We need him in the house in America. We need one great final awakening. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.